Happy Sunday, folks. We're excited to have you. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy, and today we're doing something a little more uh, on the fun side again. If you've joined us most recently, I believe we did one of these for the Spider-Man movie, and unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the new Batman film, and today Chase and I are going to go ahead and give a a detailed recap summary breakdown of the Batman movie. I know Chase is really excited about this film because it has guy Robert Pattinson, the old Cedric Diggory from Harry Potter, the old Edward Cullen from Twilight. So, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, before we get jump in and get to it, turn the floor over to him and let him say a couple words. Yeah, man. Robert Pattinson, my boy. <laughs> my boy is coming back from the dead. He was a vampire that turned into a bat. <laughs> Here we are, man. Great stuff. Uh, I thought he did a great job. This is going to be a great episode today. If uh, you guys forgot, you know, I took the Spider-Man episode. So we're going to give Jay Nelly the Batman episode. These are probably our two. I mean, we don't know what's to come, you know, later on in the season, that sort of thing. But for our one shots, these are probably going to be between Batman and Spider-Man, our two biggest superhero one shots of the year, most likely. Uh, so Jay Nelly's going to take this one today, and I'm ready to roll, man. It was it was badass. Do this one justice, man. <laughs> Hence the uh, the pun there, justice. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, I I probably agree with you. Maybe uh, Multiverse of Madness will be up there in the, in the top as well with all the things that are coming into that film and the new characters. And uh, outside of that, though, you're right. Like you know, Batman is one of the more you know household names for superheroes and. Uh, we got yeah you said we got to do this one justice but um, yeah let's go ahead and and get a little razor glasses in the sky before we do that though I did want to tell a little fun story uh, we don't really do terribly too much on the the visual side of stuff anymore these days but um, if you guys know I think I've mentioned this before I actually take notes in the theater myself and uh, the notes on this were so extensive that you know, Chase felt bad, and he decided he was going to gift me this Batman cup. So maybe I'll take a picture of the Batman cup and put it up on social here. But it's pretty badass. It's like this gray stone type looking cup with uh, cut out of Batman silhouette, as well as a Batmobile on the back, and then like the uh, bat symbol in red at the top of the lid. And it's pretty badass. So shout out to boy Chase. He, uh, he's like, man, I didn't realize how extensive those notes were. Uh, you earned yourself a cup. And I was like, all right, man, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, man, let's go ahead and uh, get that malice in the chalice and dive on in, brother. Let's do it, man. Malice in the chalice, brother. Cheers. It's a warning. Whew. All right. Take so it away, man. All right, let's do it, man. So uh, to start this off, you know, the movie kind of opens with us looking through binocular lenses, and it's going in through people's windows, and it's kind of weird. Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. But it's the interesting part is we first see almost looks like a small ninja-looking character, and uh, we witness what looks like a murder, but then we learn it's actually just the kid, the guy's son pretending. It's Halloween night, and so. Uh, while that happens, we kind of get this idea that there's someone that is on the lookout for, you know, crime and what's going on in the city. So we hear this thing come over the, the, the announcement says, like, this mass vigilante is running the streets. And over the TV, we hear, like, you know, Don Mitchell Jr. is running for mayor, and he's concerned that Bella Rael is tied with him in the polls. And he's sitting there watching... 
like the polls you're getting frustrated and he gets on the phone with who i'm assuming is, is like his pr manager or something trying to figure out why they're so close in the polls uh but he doesn't realize that there's someone with a mask on in his own house and he ends up getting attacked and this mask guy pulls out duct tape and that's all we see him getting attacked he gets bludgeoned down we don't know if if don mitchell's dead yet in this exact moment but he gets bludgeoned by some sort of tool that's going to come important to play later on and we see him like rip up the duct tape and put it around and then the, sh the scene shifts it's halloween night like i mentioned the city streets are crowded and uh it says the element is waiting to strike like snakes and they've got this really cool quote here he says two years of nights have turned me into a nocturnal animal i must choose my targets carefully we see like a, a couple different like crime sprees happening, you know, just in passing. We see this guy with this almost. If you guys have watched Nightmare Before Christmas, this oogie boogie mask looking thing, um, you know, he, he that guy robs a convenience store. We see somewhere else down in the way that like someone's like, you know, people are committing arson. So multiple crimes are happening, and then the, the the monologue again says, "We have a signal now for when I'm needed," and so we see the bat signal go up in the sky, and he says, "It's not just a call; it's a warning to them." They think I'm hiding in the shadows, but I am the shadows. And then we, we kind of get on this, uh, this subway train, and there's these people who have their faces painted, and they corner this guy, and they start beating him. And we don't really see like, it for a reason, but there's a bunch of them, and it's, it, it, it's really kind of sickening, you know? And then out of the, the darkness of the subway, we get our first look at this new Batman. And I'll tell you what, man, and I'll stop this right here for a second. What did you think about the new Batman suit and how he looked first appearance on screen? I thought it was badass. Like, I, I, you know what I, I was really hesitant about it at first because I remember when they were filming this two years ago and it got put on pause for a minute because of the pandemic and everything that happened. And people were showing his suit and it was very different at first. Um the way they had it like it almost reminded me of like a little bit of like old school in a way but when it finally came on screen i because when i first saw it like teasing pictures he didn't have the collar and stuff now that i saw it on screen it looked badass like he really is a vampire that turned into a bat like the collar he had almost looked like a vampire collar <laughs> but then he had like that big ass cape uh and then uh, it, I mean, it was just cool. Like, uh, you could see that almost like the bat ears were a little bit shorter now. But it still had that old school style. So it wasn't almost like Christian Bale's when he had it where it almost looked like a big helmet. Like, you could tell it was part of the whole suit. But it really did. It, it looked like something like Dracula or something. That shit was intimidating, man. What about you? I, I agree. I liked it. I liked this, the, the subtle changes. And this isn't so much about the suit as I'm going to talk about the Batman itself. But obviously, I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of us had with the Christian Bale Batman is that his Batman voice was so forced. And it was so, like, mm -hmm. aggressively, like, like, you know, yeah. where, like, I really did feel that Robert Pattinson's Batman voice was somewhat natural. It, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. so aggressively, outwardly, gr like, growling at people. It was very, it was very, uh, very <laughs> more smooth and natural. So... Uh, props to the acting on that but to kind of dive back in from where we kind of get the first look at this new batman we have these you know the people who have the face paint on asking me like who the hell are you supposed to be and he says 
vengeance. <laughs> then uh, that's actually going to be a foreshadow for a full circle moment towards the end of this film here too. But um, he, he ends up taking out. I'm, I'm assuming there was probably I don't know 15, 20 of these face painted guys, and he takes out the whole squad by himself. And we kind of go through. Uh, we get a first look at our commissioner Jim Gordon, and. If you guys have been paying attention to other works that we do here on the show, Jim Gordon was played by the same actor who is Bernard in Westworld. And that was really cool to kind of see him on screen again. But uh, but Bernard, I call him Bernard, Gordon, (laughs) Commissioner Gordon, lets Batman through on the order there to the chagrin of the other police officers. They're they're really frustrated that the commissioner is giving Batman this kind of close look at different cases and stuff. And... So Jim Gordon has his team at the crime scene of Don Mitchell. And this is where we kind of see for the first time what ended up happening to him. We said like there's a guy in a mask that attacked Don Mitchell with a certain type of tool or you know a weapon and we didn't know if he survived or not. Well, it turns out he did not survive and that duct tape that was over Don Mitchell's face, it covered it almost like a mummy in totality and then on it in red letters it says no more lies. And then there was a card. Like, 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 you know, almost like a birthday card that you would send or a sympathy card to people. And the card says, From your secret friend. Who? Let's play a game. Just me and you. What does a liar do when he's dead? He lies still. And, like, that's amazing. Because like, that's a, such a good pun. If you guys think about it. You know, it's like, obviously, when you die, you're lying still. But then, like, if you're a liar, you're still lying. Like, that is amazing. Like, what? Like, great writing on that. Uh, so, obviously, we see that it's a riddle, and that leads us to the conclusion that the villain in this film is the Riddler. Uh, we see Gordon's partner, uh, Commissioner Pete Savage. He wants Batman out of there. He's getting frustrated. Like, they don't like this mass vigilante guy. They want they wanted to do the old school police work. Uh, so he ends up leaving. But before Batman heads out. Uh, we he looks over and he sees Don Mitchell's son and Don Mitchell's son is the one who found Don Mitchell Jr. dead, and you know Batman. We kind of get the feeling that Batman feels a connection to the son because remember uh, Batman's own story. He saw his own parents getting killed, um, so that's important. But Batman he kind of goes off on his own back to himself. He starts to second guess if he's even making a difference in this city. He says crimes up across the board. He thinks the city it's eating itself and it might be beyond saving, but he's going to push himself and try. Uh, so it's kind of cool. We kind of get him to go through the Batcave. And I thought this was a nice little wink back. I don't know if you guys ever watched the cartoon version of the Justice League, but when he would f- drive into the uh, the Batcave, there was actual bats that would fly around and fly out. And that was they did that in this in this film. I thought it was really cool. Nice little touch there. Uh, you know, it, we learned at that point in time that 20 years ago, Thomas Wayne was killed during his own mayoral campaign. And that... Uh, it was instrumental in the case against uh, Salvatore Moroni. And this, this case about Salvatore Moroni is going to be a big overarching theme of this film. Uh, we see Batman with his mask off for the first time as Bruce Wayne in this moment. And we see the new Alfred the Butler as well. And it was kind of interesting because you could see like the eye black you know, around the, the, uh, the mask eyes. And that's something that we haven't really seen before. We've, seen, we've just kind of seen the mask go up as close as it can to the eyelids here. Where this is very, very interesting. It's almost like an eyeshadow all the way around it. And it was, it was kind of cool to see, you know, like, sweating and, like, it was draining down into his face. It was a really cool visual. I liked it. Um, but uh, Bruce and Alfred are going over the playback of the crime scene and wondering why the killer wrote to Batman. 
And when I say going over the playback, Batman has these contacts that kind of they record everything that he sees. And they're also going to come up to play big later on too. And so they're going back through the, the, the playback on the contacts and that's what they saw there. And Alfred is worried that the Wayne family legacy is at stake. But Bruce, he thinks what he's doing is the family legacy. And they actually kind of disagreeing to the point where I wrote this quote down and he looks at Alfred he says, Alfred, stop. You're not my father. And Alfred, you know, he kind of hurt. He's like, I'm well aware. But it kind of sucks, man, because Alfred's the one that's kind of looked after him this whole time since his dad passed away. And, you know, uh, do I kind of think that happened a little too early? Yes, I think that is something that we could have been built up a little bit more, but I won't get into that right now. Anyways, Alfred sees the replay from the recording lens and Bruce's eye contacts, the little boy right after he finds his father's body. And now Alfred kind of understands why Bruce is acting the way he is because, you know, obviously he feels that level of connection. Uh, so now Alfred himself, he's he's kind of getting his hands dirty in the, in the works and trying to decode the riddle in the card. And Bruce thinks it's not just a clue. He thinks it might be the full key. And Bruce ends up being right. And after everything was decoded, it was the word DRIVE in all capitals. And so uh, Jim Gordon and Batman, they, and they go into uh, Don Mitchell's garage and they find uh, Mitchell's vehicle and there's something that cut the tire there. They open up the car and they're looking for a USB port, which is like, an, like a thumb drive. And what was really interesting here in this part is there is an actual thumb of Don Mitchell that the Riddler cut off and put with the drive there. Uh, so the, the cut off thumb, as gross as it was, they put pressed it to the pa- to, as the passcode and it opened up opened up the drive it was it was what it needed to be kind of like if you ever have like that iphone you put your fingerprint on it and it opened it up it was like that but with uh, don mitchell's severed thumb which which is nice to see because already you can start to see this is kind of more more dark than it has started in the past with other batman films so uh on this this thing that they the, the drive that they open up they see a very uh familiar character to those who follow batman throughout the years and uh, someone called uh, the penguin and the the drive sent the, the problem is with this drive what it ended up doing and once they figured out you know they gotta go see the penguin here that's gonna be the next step to the clues of where they're going across this whole you know trap I don't know if it's a trap but like this whole thing that the Riddler is setting out we're in the very beginning stages and it's like he's he's luring them to go to this place and this place and so that uh, was the first the clue of where they've got to go from here problem is is that the drive sent out these photos from Gordon's account which isn't good because now all the media outlets will have the info. And if you guys ever know anything about police force, they try to get ahead of situations before the media gets it. So that way, like the killer, like the, like the killer doesn't know they're on their trail. Right. And so now this is like, okay, well now the whole damn city's going to know and this guy's going to find out. So it sucks. But, um, Gordon and Batman realize that there's a secret club and Gordon to, to tells Batman, he's like, you're never going to get in there without a warrant. And then the very next scene, we see Batman show up to the club and says he wants to see the Penguin. Bodyguards are like, nah, ain't gonna happen. Batman takes out the bodyguards, walks right on in. <laughs> uh, he takes out everyone eventually, and he gets his one-on-one with the Penguin, who calls himself Oz, which is, if you guys didn't know, it's actually short for his first name, which is Oswald. And uh, the Penguin's full name is Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot. Uh, Batman asks, you know, who is she? talking about like the girl that they saw in the thumb drive photos and penguin says he doesn't know and that's when we kind of get our first appearance of another important character uh selena kyle she makes her appearance she sees the photo of the woman and gives batman a quick look and it's clear that selena she knows who this woman is and this is an important quote that i wrote down too from the penguin he says look i'm just a proprietor 
What people do here don't got nothing to do with me. Ask Mitchell's wife. Maybe she knows. And then from there, we kind of see Selina get in a taxi and drive off. And we see Batman follow her on his motorcycle. And she gets a panic call in the back seat from someone that's important. We don't know who it is just yet, but they're freaking out. And so we finally see uh, Selina get home because we got Batman in the back with these binoculars again. Very creepy detective-like looking in the window through here. And he's kind of watching everything happen. And we see that girl in the photo... And she's crying hysterically, and Selena's trying to comfort her. And we don't know why she's crying yet, because like the, the binoculars they don't give us audio. They only give us you know, the visual, right? So uh, this is where we see Selena get undressed and dress up as Catwoman for the first time. And Bruce follows her, follows her again. And Catwoman, she drops in from the top of a building from the ceiling, finds a hidden safe behind a painting, and breaks into it. She didn't realize that she was being followed, though. Batman catches her in the act and tells her that she's pretty good at safe cracking, which is kind of funny. But they kind of have this mini fight that they do against each other. Uh, you know, that they kind of go into little fisticuffs, a little battle here, and ends up with Batman pinning her down and rips the passport from her hand. And the woman in the picture, her name was uh, Annika Kozilov. And Catwoman says, like, her friend wants to get out of town, but they stole her passport, and that's why she broke in the safe, was to get the passport back so she could leave and get out safely. And Batman, this is when he kind of does that weird thing where he almost admits to being a stalker. He's like, she did seem upset back at your place. Let's go talk to her. Like, what? <laughs> but then they end up getting back to Selena's place, and it's ransacked. Everything's broken, and Annika's nowhere to be found. Uh, the Batman's kind of like while Selena's going through the, the house and like you know in a crazed panic looking for her, Batman looks down at like some like letters and he, he notices like an eviction notice. And I actually thought that was going to come into play later, but it kind of really didn't. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we hear someone going over top of the the TV's on. And we hear someone speaking into the TV, and it's like a rec- it's a playing a recording and it says, "Hello, people of Gotham. This is the Riddler speaking on Halloween night." I killed your mayor because he was not who he pretended to be. But I am not done. Here is another who will soon be losing face. I will kill again, again, and again. And we figure out who it was, and he ended up killing uh, Commissioner Gordon's partner, Commissioner Savage, P. Savage. And this is where Catwoman tells Batman, about, like, you know, she's starting to give up a little bit of a secret. She tells Batman there's a club within a club. It's a mob hangout called 44 below she says she sees a lot of guys come in that shouldn't be there and we're going to find out that's like more along the lines of like corrupt police not you know other things like that so that's going to be a big role to play here in this film as well so batman and catwoman decide they're going to help each other out to find annika because batman wants information that annika can provide and selena just wants annika back safely because she cares about her there was like it didn't it wasn't uh fully stated but we kind of got the uh, I don't know the the feel of the fact that there is a romantic relationship between Selena and Annika because she called her baby a few times. You can see her caressing her and holding her. So there was like you know it kind of it didn't flat out say it, but it kind of gave that impression that 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 was um, was a romantic relationship. And so that was kind of cool for you know people out there and, and you know inclusion into different films. And I, I really appreciated that. But uh, the scene the scene then shifts from that to Gordon and Batman, and they go to the morgue and they see Commissioner Savage's body. We find out that he was injected with arsenic, and Commissioner Gordon wonders, like, you know, so was Mitchell, this might be a theme. And, but the really crazy part about this here with uh, Commissioner Savage is the Riddler actually cut a maze into Commissioner Savage's face and left another note for the Batman. 
this is like already like i said it's getting kind of dark <laughs> and uh the the note to the batman read i'm mad about you want to know my name just look inside and see follow the maze until you find the rat bring him into the light and you'll find where i'm at and the scene shifts again in batman he's giving catwoman the recording contacts and hearing device to go into this club selena walks in and like the scanner is, is very much what I called it. I said it's kind of like Jarvis in Iron Man where it, it like sees somebody and it scans who they are through their face. It, it, gives, it gives their first name, their last name, their profession, all this stuff like right there. And we see it, it uh, um, scan Kenzie Williams and he's an off-duty cop. Again, someone who shouldn't be in a mob hangout. And uh, it's like that, that facial recognition stuff. We also see the district attorney, Gilbert Col- Colson. He's there, and she even says half of the rest of the DA's office is there too. So Selina kind of plays her role, flirts with Gilbert Coulson to get him comfortable and around her, and Batman is talking into her hearing device and tells her to ask about the rat. And Coulson tells her that they had a rat informant for the Salvatore Moroni case, and if the details come out, the city would come apart. And so Selina, at this point, Batman's trying to get her to kind of push him into that and give, give up the name, but Selina goes off script here because... She sees another girl that, that does the tables there and knows that she knows Annika. And so she like, leaves the DA, DA table and approaches this girl trying to get information about where Annika's at. And they kind of get into like a big scuffle up like, thing here. And Carmine Falcone, another really important character, shows up and gets them away from each other. And with, with this, the, you know, the kind of interaction they had... Batman comes to this conclusion that he thinks that Selina has some sort of relationship with Carmine Falcone, not really sure what level of relationship or what kind of relationship it is. And that is a big foreshadow of what comes, we come to find out later on. But being in Carmine Falcone's presence, Selina actually freaks out and disconnects her earpiece and her contacts. And she leaves in a haste. She ditches the DA, Gilbert Coulson, who wants to take her home because she was flirting with him and he's like that sleazy DA guy and you know he's had a couple drinks and he wanted to take her back and all that uh but in hindsight for what's about to happen I'm genuinely curious maybe I should bring this up after I go through the summary like what would have happened if he he allowed Selena to get in the car with him knowing that you know we know Selena's Catwoman and she's got some fighting abilities and what we what ends up happening in the back seat of this car that Mitchell gets in by himself I'm very curious on you know would Catwoman have been you know an, an additional victim or would she could have possibly stopped everything from happening ahead of time very curious but anyways uh, the da uh, gilbert colson gets in his car the riddler's in the back seat and he puts this bomb contraption around the da's head from there the, sh- the scene shifts to commissioner gordon and he cuts the bat signal off batman walks up to him and they think that the riddler knows who the rat in the salvatore moroni case is and batman tells gordon that they need to find the rat to find the riddler that's kind of like how this is going to go about. And it seems basically like the running theme is that the Riddler is killing all the corrupt people that were close to the Moroni case. And this is, again, playing a really big role later throughout this film. Now Bruce himself is going through the playback on the contact video that he gave Selina to kind of go in there to see if he notices anything that maybe was missed. And there was a really cool riddle here and this this riddle right this one is the one that kind of threw everyone for a loop talking about the the characters in the movie because they thought they had something here with a translation from spanish into english but it ended up being not actually a language translation it was something completely different i don't want to give it up just yet but basically the clue is 
you are El Rada Alada, which at that point in time, they figure it roughly translates into the rat with wings. And that's going to be, you know, something again, I'm going to leave that there for now, but please keep that in the back of your mind because that is going to become up huge. So now we're back with uh, Bruce Wayne and Alfred at you know wherever they're living. I don't know. I don't even know what the call. You know, what what's Batman's place called? Because like, I know it's in the tower over the park. I just don't know if there's an actual name for it, right? I'm not even sure. Do you know? Uh, you mean like where he lives? Yeah, yeah, not the Batcave. Like where he actually lives, like that that place. Yeah, yeah it's Wayne Manor. There Wayne it is. Manor. There <laughs> it is. So they're at Wayne Manor, and uh, like he the Bruce Wayne is expected to attend uh, Don Mitchell, the old mayor's funeral because that's just what's expected of him and alfred tells him he's gonna go get the cufflinks and wayne, bruce is like no that's not necessary and alfred tells him that he has to look the part so there's some something to do with the cufflinks and him having to keep up the appearances of being a wayne you know still throughout all of this and alfred's kind of alfred's kind of the guy that kind of keeps him grounded and keeping him remembering hey man this is like you know you still are who you are like i know like you're this vigilante who like tries to stop crime but you're still bruce wayne you still have a whole other life that you have to be involved with so bruce attends the funeral of don mitchell jr and carmine falcone is there as well and we learned that bruce uh, bruce wayne's father thomas wayne saved carmine falcone's life but there's some sort of tension between falcone and, and the waynes and bruce like kind of gets in carmine's face and, and gets annoyed and says you know my father only saved you because of the hippocratic oath that he took and that all doctors take and Carmine Falcone laughs and says, you think he saved me because of an oath? And that kind of leads you to believe that there's something that he knows that Bruce doesn't know. And this is actually a big foreshadow, too. Uh, Bella Rael, who was the other mayor, the mayoral candidate, approaches Bruce at this time. Because remember, we're at the Don Mitchell's funeral, which was the mayor. Bella Rael is trying to get elected to be the mayor. And she you know, has to show up and save face you know, for running against him. That's just the right thing to do. And she approaches Bruce Wayne and she tells him that, he could be doing more for the city, which is ironic because she's got no idea what he does like in his secret time for the city. He's like that the Waynes were always known for being philanthropic. Wow, that, that was a tough word to get out. <laughs> uh, and that she <laughs> wants to change and have him kind of be more involved in that way going forward if she's elected. Then we learned that the DA, Gilbert Colson, is missing. Well, we knew it, but the police now find out that Gilbert Colson is missing. And... We hear these things screeching, and we see people at the top of this balcony, like, jump out of the way. And all of a sudden, this car flies through into the building, and Bruce Wayne looks up at the top, and there's a silhouette of a figure, but you can't see who it is because the light from behind him is, is so bright that it's covering. It's like, it almost looks like a shadow of a person. And then the, the car that went inside the building drives through, and all the police swarm it because, like, again, we're here to celebrate, not celebrate a funeral. I guess celebrate the life of somebody. We're at a funeral. There's, there's this car that just drives right through. All the police swarm it, scream, you know, you know, get your hands up, get your hands up. And uh, the driver of the car ends up coming out, and it's the missing DA, Gilbert Colson. And there's a bomber on his neck with a letter to his chest, a letter on his chest saying, to the Batman. So this is an- another note directly to the Batman. And there's duct tape around Gil Coulson's mouth with red words saying, no more lies again. But this time, it's not his whole face that's covered like it was with Don Mitchell Jr. It's just a mouth that says, no more lies. But he's got this big bomb contraption around his neck. So uh, the Gotham City Police Department, they try to come up with a plan. 
But Batman just goes right up to him, approaches Gilbert Coulson, bomb and all, and the phone on him starts ringing. So Batman takes a tape off, and uh, he had the, he, Gil, Gilbert Coulson tells Batman he has to do it. You have to answer. And so we learn that you know he answers, and we learn that the bomb around Gilbert Coulson's neck is held by a combination lock, and they can't cut it off or it's going to blow. So Batman and the Riddler are talking on the phone, and the Riddler is upset about the cesspool they call a city. I didn't write down all of the dialogue, but here's some of the key things I did take away from it. Riddler says to the Batman, he's like, you're a part of this too. And Batman asks, how am I a part of this? So that's going to kind of figure out why, what this whole little song and dance that the Riddler and Batman are going through is because Riddler believes like he's, in, like he's involved in this somehow. So they, uh, they go back and forth with some dialogue, and Riddler says, and one of the last things that he says in this thing to Batman before it gets to the, the riddles and the clues about the combination lock, he says, no one ever gave me a chance. And so we're going to start to learn more and more about the Riddler's past and why maybe he acts the way he acts and thinks the way that he thinks. And I thought that was important right down there. But the Riddler says to Batman, I've always loved puzzles. And he tells him that he requires three answers in two minutes. And if he answers correctly, he'll give Batman the combination to the bomb around Gilbert Coulson's neck. So Batman answers the first two questions for Coulson. Like one was justice, and then like the other, I forget, I forget what the other answer that one was, but like he's telling him what it is, and like the Riddler's like very good, like he's like really excited about it, and then and then the third and final question is the informant's name, who was the rat in the Maroni case, and Coulson freaks out and says he can't answer it, and Batman's like, dude, you're gonna die, this thing's gonna blow up, and you're gonna die, and Coulson says, I'm gonna die either way if I tell you, if I tell you, not only am I gonna die, but my family's life is gonna be in danger too. And so uh, he doesn't get he doesn't give it, and the Riddler blows him right up in front of Batman's face. Actually, it was the, the explosion was so close that it knocked Batman back and unconscious himself. So we've now seen the Riddler kill Don Mitchell Jr., who was the mayor, kill Commissioner Pete Savage again, the commissioner, and now killed the district attorney Gilbert Coulson, like in front of police, and like like this guy there's. He's, he's one of the craziest villains already that we've seen in Batman. And then we're not even halfway through the damn movie. So, anyways, uh, not, like I said, Batman was knocked unconscious from the explosion. The Gotham City Police Department tried to unmask Batman when they get him into a separate room. And Batman regains consciousness, like, just in time and, like, gets up and doesn't allow it. And, like, he fights. He actually ends up, like, assaulting one of the officers. And they're like, well, we're going to bring you in now. We're gonna, we, we, now you give us an excuse to arrest you and bring you in because you assaulted an officer. And, um... He said, so the, one of the police officers says he would rather die than talk. What was he afraid of? You? And then Gordon finally snaps and he has the whole police force leave the room and talks to Batman one on one. And, and uh, Pete Gordon tells, I'm sorry, Jim Gordon tells Batman that they got to get him out of there. He tells Batman to like fake hitting him in the face and he's going to give him the key to the door and he's got to take the stairs to the roof. And so they kind of, uh, they, everyone's kind of looking in there and they play their part to perfection. Batman hits him in the face, grabs a key, and goes through. And he uses his grappling hook and propels himself to the top of the roof of that area. And he jumps off the the, uh, building and uses his cape as a paraglide. Have you guys ever seen those things? Uh, you know, people jumping off of, like mountains and cliffs and stuff, and it's it's like little tiny like suits that have little. It almost looks like wings, but they're not. It's just like a level of a material that catches wind. It was like that. He jumped off the roof and was paragliding through his his suit there. And uh, 
He hits the ground super hard, though. And this is kind of an issue I have with this. You know like, how big of a jump that was and how fast he was going, especially with the assistance <laughs> of the wind, and all of a sudden he hits the ground like like that full impact. Like his bone, like multiple bones should have been broken at the very least, but more likely than that, he should have been dead. But apparently that's fine. No worries there. Like, we're just going to like glide past <laughs> that. No problem. But uh, from there, Gordon and Batman meet up. And Gordon tells me, he's like, man, you could have pulled that punch. Batman said, I did. <laughs> that, was <pretty laughs> bad. that was pretty badass. Uh, so they come up with a theory that the penguin might be the rat because, you know, a penguin is kind of like a rodent-looking thing with wings. So they're like, hey, it could potentially be the penguin. So Gordon and Batman now follow the penguin, and they go to this building. They follow them to this building. And Gordon is confused and kind of shocked because this building is the operation that they shut down like for like from the Moroni case and they and what Gordon says he says he thinks that they got it back up and running again Batman tells him they didn't get it up and running again it never stopped running so Gordon comes to the realization that the biggest drug bust in GCPD history was a fraud and that's going to be that's a big impact for him as a commissioner of the police force and that's exactly one of the reasons why his partner commissioner pete savage was killed he was involved in it and this is like this is all like a big you know it hit him like a ton of bricks so they're about to you know make a plan and go in and and, you know bust this shit up and figure it out but catwoman shows up and just complicates everything because she starts taking guys out left and right she just shows up and starts whooping some ass and they're like what the hell like we had this whole little thing like we were gonna sneak up on her we're gonna figure this out she comes in just you know just like a bat out of hell just knocking people out left and right and uh, she's all she wants to do. She's set on finding Annika, running and want to know where her friend's at. Uh, so Batman has to abandon any plan that him and Gordon were coming up with and jump right in to help Catwoman on the fly. And so uh, they end up kind of getting to a spot where they've you know incapacitated the people attacking him for a moment. Batwoman and Batman and Catwoman open up a large black bag in the trunk of one of the criminal's cars, and they find Annika's body dead in the bag. And then from there, a big a big shootout ensues. And Penguin gets in his car and flees as fast as he can out of there. And while this is all shooting and going on, we hear like a big engine go, and then the screen pans over and the smoke clears, and we get to see the motherfucking Batmobile for the first time. The cool shit, like Corvette-looking motherfucker. Uh, You see like the flames on the the back of it. Oh, it was cool, man. (laughs) I liked it. Uh, Then as we see that for the first time, the screen cuts back over to Catwoman and... Kenzie Williams is the corrupt narcotics officer that we saw. He was in that Club 44 who shouldn't have been there. Uh, he gets the money bag and starts to take off with it, but Catwoman snags it from him. And while she gets the money from that, scene cuts back to Batman, and he's on Penguin's ass with the Batmobile. <laughs> he's, he's going he's going quickly. And the whole scene was super intense. They had like a cool, fast, and furious type vibe and chase. I said it was like, you know... Uh, the penguin thinks he got away because he ends up knocking over an oil rig and causes a huge blockade on the road that ends up going up in flames. And then all of a sudden we see like the family go fly through the flames going in midair. Penguin's like freaking out. He's like, ah, oh, no. And uh, he ends up hitting Penguin's car, with the, the, the front end of the Batmobile, which ends up rolling Penguin's car. And now Penguin's like, you know, like incapacitated well, in terms of can't move the vehicle. Like he's still conscious and stuff, but he's like upside down. And, and we see this really cool thing. Uh, upside down, we get to see the Batman walking towards Penguin, but like the fire in the back and the silhouette of the Batman suit, 
that was one of my favorite still frames of the whole damn movie right there. I thought that was cool because the cape was kind of flowing in the wind. <laughs> like it was dark at night, but like the fires in the background and he's walking up on him. So I really enjoyed that. But uh, he ends up grabbing Penguin out of there and they take him captive. So Gordon and Batman interrogate Penguin and they're trying to get Penguin to admit that he's the one who read it out Salvatore Moroni. And Penguin, and this is where they talk about like uh, El Rada Alada. And he's like, he's like, are you El Rada Alada? And uh, he's like, he's like that. Like, am I the only one that speaks Spanish here? He's like, that's not even a, the proper translation. It would be La Rada. And and like they, they kind of trying to figure it out like, wait, what? And they figured out the whole time that the riddle did not mean what they thought it meant. It wasn't like the rat with wings. It was actually a euphemism and a pun on the words URL, like a website URL. So when he said, when he spelled it out, Y-O-U E-L, no, U-R-L. So it was Y-O-U-A-R-E-E-L. Actually, what that was supposed to be, and like it was, it was part of the riddle they were supposed to solve. It was actually supposed to be condensed into just the letters U-R-L. So now they realize that they fucked up on the riddle there, and they go to the website now, radaalada.com, and they find the next riddle. But they've already kind of fucked up here because now they're well, they're behind schedule now, you know. And even at the end of this, you know, the riddler says something to Batman about like, "I thought you were smart," but you know, anyways, uh, we'll get into that later on. But so yeah, so that whole thing, they were going on this whole chase under false pretenses, thinking they were looking for. El Rado Alada without realizing it was just a website the whole time. And so they get on that website. The site allows them to communicate with the Riddler, and there's a new Riddler to figure out who the next target is. And so Gordon and Batman go to the Wayne Orphanage, and on it it says, Where All Began is written on the door. And there's a projector of an old video, and it shows Thomas Wayne's mayoral campaign himself from 20 years ago when he was running for mayor. And then... The standing quote that kind of puts the pieces together of this next riddle here was this. The sins of the father will be on the son. And they that basically what that means is the next victim is Bruce Wayne. And so from there we see that cutscene to Alfred. He gets a package in the mail addressed to Bruce Wayne. And at this point, Batman thinks it's a race to get to the house first. Like he's calling, he's calling, and he ends up getting uh, this woman on the line. I don't know if it was Alfred's wife or who the woman was. Do, who, do you know who she was, by any chance? Uh, when he got her on the line? I was thinking it was... Uh, I can't Honestly, I can't remember her name. But um, I, it wasn't Alfred's wife, because Alfred is just the butler, basically, <laughs> is what he is. But I, don't, I, can't, I was thinking it was like... Um, I don't want to say like the neighbor or something... But someone that caught the attention because the way this happened from the way I perceived it was because he was already behind. So this already happened where right. they saw. So I just thought it was like a neighbor or something. Okay. That's what I, was, I just was wondering like who the person was because that's what I was going to get to. Is like He thought it was a race against the clock. But what ended up actually happening is that the bomb went off an hour ago. Like that was the whole thing. The bomb went off an hour ago, so he was already behind schedule. But I was just curious if we didn't knew who that woman was. He talked on the phone, who told her like, "Hey, no, it's already happened." Because what ended up happening when he tries to raise home and get there, he sees the fire and smoke from his part of Wayne Manor, uh, like from the city streets, and he realizes he was too late. 
and it was a C4 explosive bomb that went off and it critically injured Alfred. And then uh, he get, walks in and he says, there's a note that says this specific word. And I think this is important too because of how the movie ends. But the note says, see you in hell. And then Batman pulls the table and he just starts to trace everything. He says, like, renewal, renewal is a lie. Thomas Wayne promised something that he never intended to deliver. And that's another reason that the Riddler has an issue with the Waynes. So he ends up contacting Selina, talking about Batman, and tells him they need to talk. And so they find a place to meet up, and Batman asks Selina, he's like, was it worth it? Compromising yourself for money? How close did you have to get to Penguin and Falcone? And this is where we kind of get the full first looker moment, where remember I said that Batman uh, thought that there was some sort of relationship between Falcone and Selina? This is where Selina reveals that Falcone is actually her biological father. And that's a big reveal here. Selina says that her mother used to work at 44 Below, just like Annika, and that's the connection there. And she says when she was seven years old, her mother was murdered. She was strangled, and they never found out who it was, and her dad let her get taken by social services. So this whole time, like he, Falcone doesn't know yet, but Selina knows that her biological father is Falcone, and that's why this thing is so personal for her. Uh, and she even says like she thinks that she's owed that money that she stole that from the Kenzie Williams when they found Annika in the body bag when they chased Penguin back there. She thinks she was owed that money, and that's why Batman like thought she was just doing it for the money, but he didn't realize that it was this level personal for her, and now he gets it. So, uh, so she, she even says to Batman, maybe we're not so different after all. So she asks him for help with Kenzie, who again is the corrupt narcotics officer who had Annika in the trunk of his car. And this is, we get a little bit of kissy action. We get some lips locking between Catwoman and Batman, and that was very nice. But, you know, right from there, the Riddler comes out with a new video detailing how the Waynes and the Arkhams teamed up to kill a reporter who could out their secrets. And so the Riddler, through the video, was speaking to Bruce Wayne. Like, he was, like obviously, like, you know, I'm speaking to Bruce Wayne now. Now he didn't say that, but that's basically what the video was like. And it says, Gotham needs you to answer for the sins of your father. And so Bruce goes to see Falcone and asks him if what the Riddler said in that video was true. Talking about that reporter. And Falcone tells Bruce that the reporter had information on personal stuff about Martha, which is Bruce's mom, Martha Wayne, and her family history before the election. And Falcone says that Thomas Wayne wanted him, Falcone, to put the fear of God into the reporter. He says, but when fear wasn't enough, I handled it. And so Falcone drops a bombshell that the reporter was on Maroney's payroll. And so Bruce says, are you saying Salvatore Maroney got my father killed? And Falcone responds, I don't know for a fact, but it sure looked like that to me. And so Bruce goes to visit Alfred in the hospital and accuses him of lying to him his whole life. He says, why didn't you tell me all this? All these years I spent fighting for him, believing he was a good man. Alfred says, your father was a good man. He made a mistake. A mistake that got a man killed. And Alfred responds, He was protecting your mother. He cared about her and you. He never thought Falcone would kill the man. And so the assumption here that I brought from this, and I think that was for everyone's supposed to take from it, is that Falcone did kill the reporter, even though he didn't have to, but he did it so he could have something he could use on Thomas Wayne if he ever needed to in the future to kind of hold him under his thumb. It's like, I, you know, I, I murdered someone and it was on your watch and it was on your call because you told me to handle it. And, you know, even though you didn't think I was going to kill him, well, guess what? It's still The buck still stops with you. And so afterwards, 
Alfred tells Bruce Lee like, that Thomas was going to the police to confess everything. And that night, when he was on his way to confess, uh, him and his wife Martha were killed. And Bruce tells Alfred, he's like, because Alfred says, I'm so sorry. And, and uh, Bruce says, don't be sorry, Alfred. I never thought I'd feel fear, fear like that again. I thought I mastered all that. I mean, I'm not afraid to die. I realize now there's something I haven't gotten past. This fear of losing somebody I care about. And so he, what that basically meant is that he cares about Alfred and doesn't want to see him die. And he was, he was fearful, and that's what he was scared of, that he was going to lose, some, again, someone that was really important to him. Uh, then he looks outside the window, sees a bat symbol in the sky, and he's got to go meet up with Gordon. And the fun part is, is that it was a plot twist, because Gordon thinks it was Batman that put the symbol up, and Batman thought it was Gordon who put the symbol up. But it was neither Batman no Gor- nor Gordon who put the symbol up. It was Catwoman, because she found Kenzie Williams, and she is beating his ass. <laughs> and she shows Batman a recording. And in that recording, basically, he... He said he made a deal with him, information, and that's how uh, uh, he became mayor. And that Falcone, who's a very important man, had Kenzie strangle, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Selena Kyle's mom. So now we kind of figure out how Selena Kyle's mom was killed, who strangled her, on whose orders. And that's why she's in like a craze right now, because we just heard that recording. And now Batman hears it too. And... Kenzie says something very important here. Kenzie Williams says, A falcon has wings too. And Batman asks him, Falcone is the rat? And Gordon kind of jumps in too. He's like, Falcone works for you guys? The mayor? The DA? And Kenzie Williams says, No, we work for him. Everyone does. And that's when Kenzie details how they took Maroney down. And the big quote here, Kenzie Williams says, is, Falcone's the mayor. He's been the mayor for the past 20 years. You just didn't know it. And so that's when Catwoman kicks Kenzie off the building. And Batman has to like make a decision here. He's got to save this guy, even though he's a bad, corrupt guy who's like responsible for multiple murders here. Like, or at least like, you know, complicit in many murders. He, got, he has to save this guy. But when he saves Kenzie Williams, it gives Selina the time to get a head start on her way to Falcone. Because she wants to kill him. The issue is that if... Selena or Catwoman, whoever you want to call her, if she does kill Falcone, they may never get the Riddler because the whole premise of finding the Riddler here is bring the rat to the light, right? So we're kind of in a pickle. Uh, but she does end up getting the Falcone first, and she has to speak to him alone. But she's like putting on like the sad face about how she's sad about Annika and wants to talk about it, like the sweet, like innocent, you know, act or whatever. And she's about to pull a gun on him out of her bag, and. This is where Jim Gordon kind of earned his stripes here, in, in my opinion. Gordon made the recording go live. The recording that detailed how they took down Maroney. He made that go live because he knew that I was going to get to Falcone first. Like someone would have like they got to Falcone there before anything happened and, and made him see it. So that's exactly what happened. She's about to pull a gun on him. And one of uh, Falcone's like, henchmen comes in and says, Falcone needs to see something. And they bring him in, and that's where the recording went live about how they took it down. So she didn't get the chance to shoot him. So shout out Jim Gordon in that moment. Our boy Bernard from Westworld, he's, he's <laughs> next level thinking. He's doing his thing. But um, and that, then Selena actually kind of follows. It goes into the room, and but, but it, thankfully it gave them enough time to, <laughs> to catch up, right? But she says, uh, she tells Falcone that she is Marie Kyle's kid and says this is for her mother. And shoots at Falcone, but as she shoots, 
Batman killed all the lights. So we don't know. Did this the shot take? Did she hit him? What happened here? And then this is one of my favorite moments in this film. Completely, like, of everything, I loved the aesthetic of this scene. We see, because all the lights were cut off and it was pitch black, we see gunfire light up certain images of the scene. But then, like, when the gunfire would stop, it'd be black again. And you'd see, like, Batman in one spot. Then hit some guy. It, was like, it wasn't quite like the 300 slow-mo thing. But if you mix that, like, with, a, with like, a dark, like, a darkness around it, and, like, almost like a strobe light, like, in a club... It was a little mix of everything. Things seemed like they were going in slow motion, but it's because you couldn't see what was going on. It was, like I said, a strobe light, but the strobe light was happening from gunfire going on and off in the pitch black. And I just thought, aesthetically, it was one hell of a scene. One of my favorites in the whole movie. Did you like that scene, too, or was I the only crazy one on that? No, I thought it was badass, man. It was, uh... It would suck to be there. (laughs) But, yeah, that's, uh... It was badass, man. It was really cool. It kind of reminded me of like the old Christian Bale ones where he uses the sonar in the place, but it was all like natural because of the gunfire. So yeah, it was good. Back to you, man. Sure. And so while this is all happening, Falcone ends up hitting Selena with a pool stick. So it turns out like she missed that shot. He hits her with a pool stick, knocks her down, and starts choking her out, which is kind of a full circle because that's how her mother died and she was strangled. So, uh, but Batman gets to him gets him off of her and she goes to shoot at Falcone again and Batman stops her and she like freaks out screams he has to pay and Batman looks at her and says we don't have to pay with him you've already paid enough and so Batman takes Falcone under arrest and Falcone they, they, they kind of bring him out of that building or whatever and Falcone says whatever I know whatever I've done it's all going with me to my grave and then Falcone addresses the GCPD at large the Gotham City Police Department and says what? Are you with Zoro over here? Don't you know boy don't you know you boys in blue work for me? Then Penguin and Falcone kinda have this like argument. I don't even know where this like stemmed from, but they start going back and forth at each other, you know, like screaming and stuff, and it ends up enraging Penguin to the point where he draws his weapon and we hear someone shoot. And the shot hits and kills Falcone. But P- Penguin's like pleading his innocence. He's like, I didn't shoot, I didn't fire, I didn't fire. And that's when Batman remembers the quote in his head and it says bring him into the light and you'll find where i'm at so he looks up and he finds that they're directly under a street lamp and that's where he looks to the side and he sees from the window the riddler and so he goes uh, and, and chases the, the the shooter through the in the adjacent building and tries to go confront him but by the time he got there the riddler escaped and got away but the fun part here is you know he most certainly could have gotten away but the police got a tip that the shooter, which is the Riddler, is at the counter of a cafe. Or I would, maybe like a diner. It's not really a cafe. I think a diner is a better way to kind of put where he was at. So the counter of a diner. And so the police surround the place and they tell him to put his hands up. I'm saying there's like 50 cops all guns loaded on this guy pointing at it. And he's just sitting there with his coffee. Got his little uh, the spoon stirring it. And he's not, he's not bothered in the slight. It's like he, you know wink wink wanted to be arrested right uh so they uh, end up arresting him and then the riddler sees batman and he smiles and the screen pans in on his coffee and in the coffee you know how people can make certain like images in the cream or in the foam there was the uh the little little question mark that was drawn into the foam which is like his signature thing 
So that was fucking awesome. Anyways, from there, we learned that uh, Bella Rael wins the election. Obviously, it was probably what was going to happen. Uh, Batman and Gordon go to the hideout, and they see that they, at this point, they think it's all done, right? We've, we've got the bad guy. The Riddler is behind bars. Let's go check out where this hideout is now that we can kind of look at it in depth. And they see scrolls and diaries that the Riddler made. And part of this, you know, they, they talk back and forth. And one of the things I wrote down here is like, renewal was the empty promise they sold to me as a child. And my whole life has prepared me for this. When I could strike back and expose their lies, I know now what I must become. So this is we're kind of seeing the inception of what began to bring him into this villain character. And it was the renewal uh, was a, like a proposition, a plan that was initiated by Bruce's father, Thomas Wayne. And, you know, it ended up not being what it was you know, supposed to be. And so uh, in this in this hideout too, we see a cage. You know, like animals, like there's hamsters and the guinea pigs, like one of those type of cages. But in it are all these rats, and it's kind of gross looking. But there's one creature in there that is not a rat. It was a bat. And at the top of the cage, there was another note that says, "For the Batman." And attached to that note was the original murder weapon from the beginning of this movie that he used to bludgeon Don Mitchell Jr. to death. The Riddler let them find the murder weapon freely. And there's a reason why. <laughs> and then they kind of play this thing over and Riddler talks about his confession, how he says this isn't over, uh, and that he's been posting online, you know, again, to that URL link that we've realized like, the level of importance at. But it's the video, it's, it's password protected, and they don't know what the password is, how the hell are they gonna get the password? You know, we've gotten to the end of everything, there's no more riddles, there's no more clues, what's happening, right? That's what we're thinking at this point in time. But uh, Batman, he thinks that he is the Riddler's last target because of that being a bat in the cage with all the rats. And so he thought he thinks that he's the last target. And he's thinking, maybe this is all coming to an end, you know, being the, the Batman, right? And so someone ends up calling Gordon, I'm assuming it's another police officer, calls you know, Commissioner Jim Gordon, and Gordon tells Batman that the Riddler is asking for him at the Arkham Asylum. So Batman goes to see the Riddler, and the Riddler looks at him and says, I told you I'd see you in hell. And the reason why this is so big for me is like, this whole time we're operating, we're not sure if the Riddler knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, right? But the note that he wrote to Bruce Wayne that ended up being opened by Alfred the Butler said, see you in hell. So obviously he must know who he is or else he said, I told you I'd see you in hell. He doesn't flat out say it, but we kind of get the impression now he knows. And Batman looks at him and says, what do you want from me? And uh, the brother says, if only you knew how long I was waiting for this day and this moment. I've been waiting for this my whole life. I was invisible. I won't be anymore. They'll remember me. They'll remember both of us. He took like a four second pause. And then he like does this weird screaming voice like, Bruce Wayne! And then he's like, you know, I was there that day that Thomas Wayne announced he was running for mayor. A week later, he was dead, and all they could talk about was poor Bruce Wayne. Living in a tower of a park isn't being an orphan. Do you know what being an orphan is? It's 30 kids to a room. Rats chewing fingers. Every winter, a baby dies because it's so cold. And so like, the whole thing from this quote and that monologue there is, the Riddler has an issue with Bruce Wayne for being like a celebrity orphan. It's like. You, you're not really an orphan. You were a multi-billionaire. 
you know, that you just happen to have your parents out. Like, I, I, I cut my teeth on the real shit, man. I was in the trenches. I was, I was in these, like, floors with 30 other kids. You know, I was there when, you know, all the rats are chewing our fingers, when these babies are dying in the cold. You were living in an ivory tower. Like, you don't know what it's like to be a real orphan, but you got all the attention. No one cared about us, and that's his issue that he's got with Bruce Wayne. And, like, that, that, that whole renewal thing was supposed to do something for orphans. Like, you know, they opened up the, the Wayne Orphanage, right? And so that's is why that, that's, this whole thing is, it's all starting to come full circle now. And uh, the Riddler also, see, he, he says this one other quote, too, and I thought it was cool because it talks about, you know, who he's mentioning. He says, I got the rest of them. And to me, what that meant in my mind is that he was referring to killing Don Mitchell Jr., Commissioner Savage, Gilbert Colson, and Carmine Falcone, all the people involved in, in this Moroni case. I think like, that, were, that were corrupt, right? I think the whole city is corrupt. And the Riddler tells Batman at this time, this is just something funny, that's really important to the storyline. He's like, your mask is amazing. You should have seen me in mine. <laughs> the brother says, you showed me. It, all it takes is a little fear and focus. And for me, what I wrote down here is that it's starting to show some level of mental illness here because he thinks him and Batman are the same. Like, it's like one of those people who fall in love with like, the idea, like, like those, those people who become killers because they are like, so focused on imitating someone that they idolize or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, we're, like, we're the same people. We're doing the same thing. Like, we're both cleaning up the, the filth on the street. And Batman's like, dude, we are not the same at all, man. Like, you like, I'm not doing any of these things. Like, what the hell are you talking about? But uh, this is, like, the one thing here that I thought was really kind of cool is that the Riddler had it all planned out. He basically used Batman to do all the dirty work for him. And he says in this last quote here, um, it was all there. You mean you didn't figure it out? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you are. I guess I gave you too much credit. What's black and blue and dead all over? If you think you can stop what's to come. And then he just cuts off there and starts singing Holy Maria. And like just randomly just starts singing a Holy Maria song, like screeching it. And it was very strange. Like it really was a dark moment. Like he just like really saw the the the, the the humanity level of what goes on in people's minds and when they're not they're not well um but now when he said like you didn't figure it out like you're not as smart as all you were like this freaks batman out a bit because now he goes back to investigate and then you know the, the the final like trigger that clicks in his head is when a police officer says the riddler killed don mitchell jr using a carpenter tool and that was the tool that he found in there and batman's like shit there was a reason why he let me find the carpenter tool. And he uses the tool to pull up the, the ground, the flooring of the air. And then like, on the, like, when he pulled up the whole flooring, there was another phrase. And it said, a real change. And that was the password to the video that was pass protected. So he finally is able to get in and see this video. But it's like, you know, too little, too late. In the words of our girl Jojo, who sang, It's just too little, too late, too little, too wrong. Can I get away? But anyways, point being is that uh, he was receiving tips on detonators from other internet sleuths. And one of the, the quotes here says, Tomorrow is election day, and Bella Rael will win. She promised a real change, but we know the truth. It's all corruption. The day of judgment is finally upon us, and now it is time for retribution. There are seven vans along the city seaboard, and on the big night, they will go boom. And when the vans blow, the flooding will be so fast, there won't be time for evacuation. 
and this is where the screen pans to a big squad of masked people that have very similar masks to what the Riddler was using, and they're all holding these assault weapons, these rifles, and they're getting into position. And then the monologue continues. We'll give them a real, real change. And then the, she the scene shifts, and all the roads are closed down because these vans are going boom, and Catwoman can't get past the police officer. He tells her to go inside Gotham Square Garden with everybody else, and this is where things are starting to really kind of freak out here because these things going boom and the, the flood's starting. We realize this is supposed to be like election day where she's going to be announced the winner. Talking about Bella Riel. And so Gordon, he, the Commissioner Gordon, he tries to get Mayor-elect Bella Riel out of there. But she's trying to stand up and do the right thing and, and you know, talk to the people at large. And, you know, she thinks like, she, you know, she doesn't want to cower away and she doesn't want to you know, look, be looked at as someone who runs when things get tough. So in her mind, she's doing the right thing. The problem is, is that all these other people were in position, like I talked about, the squad of masked people with these rifles, and she gets shot in the side, and she goes down, and Gordon covers her and pulls her off the stage platform, and meanwhile, shots just start flying everywhere in, in Gotham Square Garden. And we kind of get this cool badass battle scene, because Batman finally gets his way into Gotham Square Garden, he makes his way up to the rafters where all these people are shooting from, and he starts whooping some ass. So he starts having this badass battle scene up there, but then the platform, it starts to break. And so they're in the, down below, while they're trying to get people evacuated out of Gotham Square Garden, Catwoman and Gordon see that you know Batman is uh, getting shot at and like the flood's starting to cause structural damage to the, the, the area. And, and they, they're trying to figure out how they can get to him and help him out. So at this point in time, Batman throws another one of his signature weapons, uh, a smoke screen, gets up, starts kicking ass again, but then the platform snaps, and he's holding on to it for dear life. He's like 60 feet in the air, and he's holding on to it with just his hands, and then one of the mass killer guy, he kind of walks right up to Batman, and he's got a clean shot at him. He ends up putting the gun right up to his head, about to shoot him in the head. The Catwoman comes out of nowhere, takes him out, pulls Batman up, but Batman's hurt real bad at this time. He's like laying on the, his back, and he's like obviously in real pain. You don't know if he's going to make it or not. And she kisses him again, but then she gets attacked, and the assailant that attacked her has her dead to rights. Isn't about to kill. Is about to kill Selena Kyle or Catwoman. Then you know Batman decides he's gonna go. I, I, I said this was kind of similar to The Witcher when they take their elixirs and all of a sudden they get like real. You know, to, to, to kind of give us a wink back to what we just finished covering last week here at Factor Fantasy. That he takes those elixirs and just gets like real badass. For, so out of nowhere. Batman grabs his fucking, like, this, I don't needle, and injects something into his leg. I don't know if it was, like, adrenaline or what, but I just what I said. He, like, injected himself with, like, adrenaline or something similar, and it ends up giving him, like, the strength to get up, and he ends up grabbing the guy who was about to kill Catwoman and basically almost beats the guy to death, and Gordon has to get Batman to stop. And, like, even so, like, he, he looks back with, like, a ferocious face, like, as if he's going to attack Gordon, too, at first, before he kind of realizes the situation. He's like, yeah, we're, we're good here, man. Like, chill. Like, <laughs> golly. Um, but yeah, so Gordon gets Batman to stop, pulls the mask off the bad guy, and this is where the full circle comes. Jim Gordon asks the, the bad guy there, who, when he pulled the mask off, he says, Who the hell are you? And the masked guy says, Vengeance. So that was a full, full circle from the very beginning scene in the subway where Batman took out the painted face guys and they asked him who he was and he said Vengeance. These guys just said the same exact thing in the same exact way and it was cool. It was awesome. Well written. Awesome shit. But then all the lights go dark and the flood is in full effect and it's destroying Gotham Square Garden. Like everything's kind of coming down. Batman's holding on to this wire here. He ends up 
you know, they're trying to get propelled to the ground, but then he realizes he sees people that are kind of trapped. He ends up just cutting his wire and falls, like, unpurposely into the water down below. And he emerges from the water, starts walking towards the people that were trapped, and he lights a flare, which, like, kind of curious if you're soaked in water after you just got submerged in water how you can light a flare, but okay. We're going to pretend we're not. We're going to pretend that that's okay. <laughs> um, no worries. And then, anyways, he helps get the trapped people out, but it was kind of weird because I didn't think that they were really trapped. They ended up just walking out on their own. But maybe he just uses the flare to guide, <laughs> to guide them through or whatever so they could see. I don't know, but it's very weird. That's one of the things I kind of had an issue with. But anyways, um, he ends up getting them out or whatever. And then everything kind of, the, the, the dust, quote-unquote, settles, and the scene kind of shifts, and we hear this uh, Wednesday, November 6th, the city is underwater, the National Guard is coming, and martial law is in effect. And, you know, we hear, like, you know, Batman's, like, kind of thinking to himself, but that thinking is, like, almost like an inner monologue, and we're hearing what he's thinking. He's like, some will use this chance to seize everything they can. And from there, we see the screen pan to Penguin. And so, like, to me, I'm like, shit, like, are we setting up for a more prominent Penguin villain role going forward? Because, you know, as I said, it said, like, you know, use this chance to seize everything they can. And he's kind of like the next in line now that Carmine Falcone's done, right? Like, so who knows? Maybe this is, maybe that's where it's going. Chase also has a kind of a cool theory that he'll talk about towards the end here after we finish up with this. But anyways, uh, all, then we have Bella Riel addressing the city at large. Have an issue with this because wasn't she just shot in the side? Apparently she was. She wasn't even limping. Didn't have like a band. <laughs> didn't have a bandage on or yeah. nothing. So we just either assume that the bullet didn't hurt her or she's a superhero and healed specially on her own. I don't know, but apparently no issue getting shot. She's just standing up giving a speech. No bandages. No nothing. She's good as new. Okay, whatever. But anyways, <laughs> um, Batman. He has again talking about uh, the inner monologue. More quotes here from him. It says. Vengeance won't change the past, mine or anyone else's. I have to become more. People need hope to know somebody is out there for them. The city is angry, scarred like me. Our scars can destroy us even after the physical wounds have healed. But if we survive them, they can transform us and give us the power to endure and the strength to fight. And that's where the scene shifts to the Arkham Asylum and then we get a new voice that we haven't heard before in the in this movie. And it says, isn't that just terrible? Him raining on your parade like that? What is it they say? One day you're on top, and the next you're a clown. Let me tell you, there are worse things to be. Don't be sad. You did so well. And you know Gotham loves a comeback story. And then the Riddler says, or asks more likely, he says, who are you? And the other voice says, Well, that's the question, isn't it? Riddle me this. The less of them you have, the more one is worth. And the other answers, A friend? And they both start laughing maniacally. And that's when the scene like cuts away from Arkham Asylum and to the graveyard. And we see Catwoman at the headstone of Annika. Batman approaches, and he knows that she's leaving. And he asks her where she'll go, and she says, upstate. And she's like, why? You want me to stay? You know, whatever. But uh, she ends up talking about how the city is going to be a bloody power grab after all this. And, you know, Batman, he, she like, not accuses him, but she's like, well, you think you can save the city, but it's going to kill you. <laughs> you know, she wants him to go with her. And she even says, and I thought this was cool. I wrote this quote down. She says, the bat and the cat, it's got a nice ring. But then 
we see the bat symbol up in the sky and they both look towards it and Selena says, who am I kidding? You're already spoken for. Meaning his life is dedicated to the city. And, you know, Batman looks at her and says, Selena, take care of yourself. And they both ride on their bikes together at first and then they did this real cool Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious split at the fork of the road and ended out of the movie there. <laughs> and then that was, yeah, that closed this out there. And then, uh, you know, we got through about 20 minutes of credits just to see at the very end, there are is an after credit scene. And it's like, you know, the coding of like the thing that we were typing on there that we saw earlier in the film. And in green there, it had like the, the, the lesser carrot and it said goodbye question mark with a greater carrot and like closed the bracket there. And then the movie just cut off and that was the end of the after credit scene. One of the uh, fastest after credit scenes I've ever seen and... Chase actually did a little bit of digging on that and had some stuff there, but that was the whole summary at large. Was there anything that you wanted to add? Some things, you know, maybe takeaways that you had, some things that really stuck out to you before we kind of talk about, you know, where we're going in the future, some cool predictions we might have, and like about the after credit scene and all that. You crushed it, man. No, that was perfect. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, you probably mentioned it. I just might have missed it. Uh, when Selena Kyle, who is the guy she was like really upset at? Remember when they played the recording and she almost killed with a gun? It wasn't Falcone. I can't remember his name. It was K- Kenzie Williams. Kenzie Williams. So one thing I was going to say about that is just to show like really her fluctuation on being more of a neutral character. Like you can't really say she's a hero much. Not exactly a villain either, but remember she pushed him off the building and it was batman uh, rob that shot the grapple gun to stop him but like he kept talking to her and she still made the decision to try to kill him so i mean it really shows like it's tough to say like where her loyalty truly lies so. Yeah, I think she was actually smart because remember that's, I said that's when she did it to give herself like a head start to get to Falcone first because that he, right. she basically painted Batman into a corner. Either you're going to race me and let this guy die or you're going to save that guy, that, that guy and I'm going to get to Falcone first and I'm going to kill him. So you're right. Like, you, know, you can't really tell like, if she's like, you know, she's kind of out for herself, very neutral on the, the whole situation. So, um, yeah, man, for sure. I mean, what else did you think about the movie as a whole? You know, was there anything else that I missed that you wanted to add in there? Was there things that you just had big takeaways overall as a movie? Like, give us, give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, I thought the movie was fantastic. Um, uh, one thing I really loved about this film is even like the kind of foreshadowing moments. And I love the whole noir, noir. How do you say it? Noir, <laughs> like like L.A. Noir. <laughs> how do you say that? I guess that's uh, how you say it, right? Noir yeah, style. Noir. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it really dug into Batman's detective work, um, and I think that's what so many Batman films in the past have failed to capitalize on. Is Batman is just a human guy, you know? He's not like these other other superheroes he's not superman that has all these powers he's not spider-man that has uh, abnormal ability to sense things he's just a normal guy but the biggest thing that he is able to bring to the table is his detective work and i love that they were able to capitalize on that and bring it to light in a way this was almost like watching like a, a mystery thriller it reminded me of something of silence of the lambs like, we've never seen anything like this before. I think it actually 
it was a daring move by Matt Reeves that directed this um, because a lot of families like expect Batman to be just like another superhero movie like we're gonna take our kids to this movie and the first scene is you know he, he's killing some dude with a carpet tool <laughs> like I mean and then wrapping his face with duct tape like it's not exactly a family film like it really pushes the boundaries here um, and I, I think it's great to bring that to the table because Batman's a dark character like I think so many people don't realize that that he really has a lot of internal emotional issues going on and i think that's another great thing it brings to light here is the struggle he has within his own self um and then to watch over the city and i really like the relationship that zoe kravitz and robert pattinson had uh that they brought to the table with batman and catwoman um it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Dark Knight Rises, how you had like Anne Hathaway and, and Christian Bale, but it really brought a more darker element to it, um, and it really made you think. Like this was one where you know you look away for two seconds in this film, and you're gonna miss something. <laughs> it brings up something later, even to the small hints. How you mentioned like the painted faces in the beginning, where. You said, by the way, you did that voice perfect. I don't know how you did it. Where you're just like, vengeance. <laughs> it was great. Uh, but even the painted faces, you can almost look at those. They almost looked like they were hinting towards the Joker, which was at the end. So it was like all these different pieces that were put into play just like a puzzle, <laughs> which actually aided to the fact that that's what the Riddler does. He was almost like a Zodiac killer. In my opinion, I think this is one of the most creative villains we have ever seen on screen out of any Batman film. He wasn't just a psychotic lunatic, but it took thoughts and intellectual ability to play this like a chess game to actually get ahead of him. So that's what I really liked about the film. What about you? Yeah, I, I liked a lot of things about it too. And to me, it was very much like Bruce Wayne is known for two things, right? I guess three things in total. Number one, He's got, like, the most money ever, right? He's, like, he's, like the richest right. of all of our heroes. He's, like, a, a multi-billionaire. And he's a genius, right? So those are, like, mm -hmm. his, two, his two biggest, like, callings is that he's, he's a genius and he's rich, right? And I, I just thought it was just so cool how he's able to, we kind of get to see, instead of him just being, like, a, a punchy, kicky, you know, Batman, all right, just beat your ass type of deal, we got to see the, the thought process behind things. We got to see more of his genius at play. You know what I mean? We got to kind of see more like, you know, when every time that there was a riddle, he solved it pretty quickly. You know, and you guys mm -hmm. might think, my people might think that as almost like a plot, like, oh, wow, he just had to answer that riddle like that. But he's a super genius. Like, that's like he's supposed yeah. to be able to be smart and on the ball like that. Remember when they had the, the call with the guy who had the bomber on his neck? Uh, who was that for Gilbert Colson? He had the Gilbert Colson, the DA had the bomber on his neck. There was three riddles he had to ask and answer, and he had no like Gilbert Colson's like I don't know the answer, and then Batman would immediately give him the answer to the riddle because he's a super genius. And so like it was almost very much like a Sherlock Moriarty like who's smarter, the Riddler or Batman? Like you know going through like going that, and that's why even he Riddler even told him like I, oh you're not as smart as I thought you were. You didn't figure it <laughs> out like you know. So it was just really really cool to see like you said an intellectual chess match between. Two, like two psychos to be honest with you and I've always said this before too Batman 
is just as much of a psychopath as any of the villains. As the Joker, as the Riddler, as a Penguin, he just manifests his, his like, I don't know, this is not a word, but his psychoness in a different way. What he, yep. like, how, how he copes with it is he fights crime, tries to like, you know, hurt the bad guys who are hurting other people. Where these other people are trying to hurt the other ones to make themselves feel better about being hurt in their earlier lives. Right, so just the way that right. th- that manifests in them is just different. But they all of them are psychopaths, and I think that's why Batman hates the Joker so much because he sees what he could become in a little, almost like a mere version of him if he had decided to go the other way with it. And so, like that's what you know. Then this this Riddler guy, and, and this is the reason why I like this film specifically more than some of the other ones too, is because we how many damn Joker Batman movies are we gonna have? Like we've yeah. had so many damn right. movies like that. It was so beautiful to see another villain take a prominent role and hold its own. But at the same time, setting up for the Joker later on because he said, you did so well. Like the Joker told him like then, he's like, you did so well. Like meaning like, like, like this, <laughs> this whole thing isn't over. Meaning uh, like, there's just so much set up for the future. I really enjoyed it. Like you said, the detective work on it, it was more of a darker film that we've seen from a Batman superhero film before as well. You know, think about what we saw. Like you said, you got bludgeoned to death with a carbon tool, got his whole face duct taped, and then in red it says no more lies. And then the other guy, Commissioner Pete Savage, had a maze like carved into his face. Like, what is going on here? And like injected with arsenic and all these things too. And then, uh, then the bomb blew up right in front of everybody. Like, boom to pieces. It's crazy, man. And I also liked how there was a couple different villains hinted at. We had Penguin in there who can potentially play a big role later on. We had the Riddler as the main villain. We had Carmine Falcone, who's like this gangster thug, like that, like almost like the godfather running everything on the side. Like all this operations, you thought the, the, the police department had shut the, the, the stuff down, but they were all secretly working underneath his thumb the whole time. You know, like people were mayors just in title. He was the one running the whole city. And that's, and another thing too, it's almost like you can kind of see why the Riddler did what Riddler did. He's like, this whole place is corrupt. I'm going to burn this whole motherfucker down. And he did. <laughs> like, you know, this is really cool. It was, it was, the Riddler was very Joker-esque in, in, in how he played this stuff. But he had his own style of doing it. And his own style was beautiful to see. And it was a lot more, you know, it was, for me it was interesting seeing something new and creative. Like you said, it was a very creative take on a Batman film. And another thing I really loved about it, too, is this wasn't like an origin story. You know, we, we jumped right. right in, and Jim Gordon and Batman already knew each other. They already had a relationship. You know, yeah. they already were, like, you know, going in and out and working together. We didn't have to figure out, like, how Bruce Wayne became Batman, all this other stuff. Like, no. It basically was like, we, we it took it, it took us in there as if we already know the deal who Batman is, which is great. Like, I don't yeah. want, we, 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 how many times are we going to have to see where Batman come from? You know, like, with Spider-Man, it was kind of the same dang thing. Like, all right. You know, this guy gets bit by a radioactive spider, his uncle dies, you know, and then here we are again, we got a new Spider-Man, like, we have to see that, we jumped right in, we knew where Batman was, like, it was awesome, really, really cool, man, so I, I appreciate the film at large, for sure, and I like the darker take on it, because, like, we were just mentioning, his story is very dark, he watched his parents get killed in front of him, like, that's, that's what happened, yeah. and, and he grew up as an orphan, as a billionaire orphan, which is going to have struggles of its own, because he can't relate to these other people around him. And then he's getting raised by, you know, an, an older guy who's, like, not really part of his family, but it's just their butler who's doing his best to, you know, be a father figure and a friend towards it. It's just, you know, confusing time. He, he, his whole story arc is very, very like, uh, tragic. And so that, that's really nice to see, you know, a film kind of put everything together. And, you know, I, I thought it was great. I, overall, I think my takeaways from the movie, there was a few things that 
were a little bit plot holeish to me. I didn't love, you know, I didn't love the fact that if you jump into, you know, a, a sea of water here, likely you're not going to be able to light your flare right up, like you know, fire a flare right on up. I don't really foresee that happening. Bella Riel getting shot in the side, and then we're just going to act like she didn't get shot in the side. Like, you know, like she, there, there was no backstory on that at all. Not like she was in the hospital recovering or nothing. It was she got shot, Gordon pulled her out, and the next time we see her, she's standing up giving an ad, like ad, addressing the nation or addressing the city. Like, like what the hell, man? And then on top of that, when Batman jumped off that building and was flying with his, his paragliding suit there, and he just landed into the car and on the concrete ground like at 70 miles an hour but apparently he's just fine no broken bones nothing like there's a few things that that left a bad taste in my mouth in my mouth that way but overall the theme the storyline the uh the the you know who's smarter the chess match between riddler and batman i really enjoyed it and so overall as a movie it it was one of my uh one of my more favorite batman films i've seen one of the better ones that i've seen in, in quite some time so uh, but let's let's get into some of the things that you noticed as well too. Like talking about the after credit scene, and on top of that, I know you mentioned that you saw like a hint of something that could potentially introduce another villain that you know maybe people could have potentially missed and things. So how about uh, you go ahead and talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, quick takeaway too, real quick. Like he said when he jumped in the, I called it like the big pool, <laughs> like the pool in the arena, all the water there. Remember you like unlatched himself to like dive down real quick like he was really like anxious to get down there and then he just like swims over with a flare it was like follow me out guys <laughs> follow me out this way <laughs> like it, what did he do like you like i was so ready for him like like because he he unlatched himself so fast like like almost like trying to like sacrifice yourself for the moment to get down there to save someone and he just goes up there it's like follow me guys follow the leader right and it didn't look like they were <laughs> that in that much of danger like they, they just like walked out it's not like he had to like move big old like metal things that other people couldn't do and like push it up and get them out like they all just could have they all just like kind of meandered out when he got there apparently they just needed a light to follow i don't know it was very weird man <laughs> very very weird oh yeah it was very weird by the way i wanted to say um the guy that played Druig in Eternals is the guy that's the Joker. Um, remember, we covered Eternals on this show. So his name is Barry Kogan. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. My personal opinion, I'm biased. I don't think anything will beat Heath Ledger, TDK, The Dark Knight. Um, I mean, I think there was aspects of this movie I like definitely a lot more, but that's a tough role to fill. Um, so I'm interested to see because he was one of the better actors that I liked uh, in his role in Eternal. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But getting into kind of like the after credits. So I was thinking the same thing too. I was like, this is bullshit. Like we just waited uh, for what was almost like felt like a three hour film. And we watched all these fucking credits to see goodbye. I was like, this is absolute bullshit. So I was like, I'm digging into this more because there's no way we just waited all that time for fucking goodbye, right? So what it is, so right before the goodbye, actually, it shows a URL link that says www.ratalada.com. So that's www.ratalada.com, which is similar to like the rat that we were talking about before. Oh, it's the same it, exact site. It's Rata Oh, Lada. it's the same yeah, exact same one. Same exact one. That's okay, the URL. Cool. Yep. Gotcha. So if you go there, you're going to see two things. So one, 
the first thing you see is there's a loading bar that goes up 2%, and I had to look this up, because I thought it was just frozen on the thing, but it goes up 2% every three hours. <laughs> so, and I was not gonna wait that long. So if you wanna wait that long to see what it does after that, be my guest. I wasn't waiting that long. But there's another option that says click for reward. So if you click on where it says click for reward, you're presented with a cipher and it gives you some questions and you kind of got to fill it out. It's almost like a crossword puzzle. But if you finish the cipher, it says this quote and it says, it's a quote from the Riddler and it says, you think I'm finished. Perhaps you don't know the full truth. Every ending is a new beginning. Something is coming. So it's pretty cool there. That was, I thought it was kind of, I mean, I get their idea like, oh, we're going to make this interesting. I think most people are going to look at that just like we did in the theater saying, what the fuck? Okay, see you later. <laughs> like, peace out. But um, interesting theory I heard. So in the film, there's a moment, just like when Jay Nelly was talking about, they were showing all those newspaper articles. So in the film there is actually uh there is uh, a guy that's mentioned called edward elliott um when all of these like newspaper things uh were coming to light about the waynes and how they really didn't do justice with the orphanage so it, it there's also a mention in there in one of the articles if you look super close that mentions the word hush so what this fan theory is and it was a really interesting fan theory so the hush villain uh is actually in the comics that this trilogy they're trying to do is based out of uh, and it's a 12 issue storyline called batman hush which is what they think they might be pulling this from but he was actually a villain that was friends uh he became a villain after being friends with the waynes uh of growing up and and being friends with uh bruce wayne's uh, father for a bit but it says so in the comic arc so it'll be interesting to see if they're going kind of this route because it says in an attempt to destroy batman hush and the riddler manipulate several other villains into unwillingly helping them these include Joker, Harley Quinn, Two-Face, Poison Ivy, Scarecrow, Clayface, Killer Croc, and then they also manipulate some of Batman's closest allies, including Catwoman. So, and it even says, um, it even says at this point, it says an elaborate plot with Joker, Hush, and the Riddler is set up to take on Batman, his allies, and Jason Todd, which Jason Todd, if everyone remembers, is Robin. So it'll be interesting if they decide to ever go that route at some point. That That's badass, man. And I just doing a little bit of digging on my end too, because when you mentioned uh, Edward Elliott, he was actually the reporter that Thomas Wayne inadvertently got murdered. Right, like so. That was right. the one that that was the one. Carmine Falcone said he handled it. He killed uh, the reporter. It doesn't say it in the movie, but 
you said you, you showed it the clipping that in the movie it said Edward Elliot in one of the in the um, pages that it said there. You said it said his name. Edward Elliot is the unscrupulous reporter that Carmine Falcone ended up murdering. Not really at the um, direction of Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne tried to like tell him, "Hey, put the fear of God into him and let him know like we're not going to stand for this." And Carmine took that as, "Oh, I'm going to kill him and now I've got something on Thomas Wayne." Long story short, there, Edward Elliot is a person that and the the reporter who died. And Edward Elliot is also the father of Tommy Elliot. Tommy Elliot is Hush. Tommy Elliot yeah, is, is the villain go. Hush. So Tommy, Tommy Elliot was one of Batman's childhood friends. And basically, if I'm following this correctly, Tommy Elliot is blaming Batman for the death of his father because he thinks that Thomas Wayne had his father killed. So that's why Tommy Elliot becomes Hush, a Batman villain. So... If that That's is awesome. what comes into play and that is something that they tease there on screen, man, they did a really good job with this film overall. I'm really impressed with what we saw. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to say anything about it? Or what are you thinking? Just, I mean, one thing, like you said, I was so impressed with is usually you see films with multiple villains that just turns into a cluster fuck disaster. <laughs> Excuse my language, but... They did this really well. It was played out really well with each individual villain. Me actually feeling a connection to want to have something against these people uh, and to take them down. So imagine, I just got a question for you. If they decide to go this route, like say you have all the villains in Arkham come out. You have what I would say is now really like the Batman big three. Like you would have the Riddler, Hush, and Joker really trying to take on like the bat and the cat like how do you see that panning out do you think this is pans out well do you think we're in store for probably what could be argued as if it's done right maybe one of the best batman arcs or batman trilogies of all time what do you think on that uh, it's possible i also think we can't rule out the penguin either because they, they remember Our when penguin, they said yeah. they said like that some people will take full advantage of this and the screen panned over to the penguin so like i think that he's going to play a role too so if we're talking about the riddler penguin hush and the joker you know that's going to be one hell of a squad to deal with i don't know if they're all going to end up teaming up or not but all of those are adversaries the batman and you know that's a lot of people i don't and you know maybe we even see the beginnings of what i don't know it depends on what else gets released around the same times as these because what i'm thinking is we could kind of get a big lead up to maybe another justice league but like with this new age like batman with like this robert pattinson batman with all these villains here in this end and let's say like maybe new superman movies get released in the next couple years and then new other movies get released and like maybe they all end up coinciding and we could get like a an avengers type deal but like justice league style but more in a way that is done right finally by DC and like you get like these all built together you know how Iron Man had one two and three you know hopefully we get this Batman 123 mm-hmm. and a Thor or whatever but then it's like Superman one two and three like you know what I mean so I'm hopeful hopeful like like my thought I'm thinking I'm thinking real far into the future and that's what I'm really hoping you know like yes I think that we could potentially get a really great Batman trilogy out of this but I'm hoping we get like Avengers style Justice League out of this when it's all said and done uh that's what I would really like to see I don't know what are your thoughts on that that's a really interesting point because I do want to bring this up. A lot of people don't know when this film was first proposed, they actually started filming it and it was being directed 
by Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck was starring in it. And then he quit at the beginning because he said his exact quote in the article I read was he just couldn't crack it. But I think part of the, the theories on it was also it got just too dark for him. And you can tell they're definitely going in a different direction than like all this Justice League stuff and, and all that from where it was before. And you, I, I think they're starting to see like some of the mistakes they made. So I think it very well could be something that starts that. Like, do you think this is, my question to you is, do you think this is like the turning point for DC? Do you think this is the moment where they finally get on board and get their shit together so they can start competing with Marvel? Because we've seen just mistake after mistake after mistake from them for years. I mean, they gave it one hell of a shot, so I hope I hope so. Like, they, like, <laughs> like they they did they did they hit a hit a home run with this movie, in my opinion. Um, so they, you know, like I said, like, there are some pothole things and uh, little tiny things I can nitpick that and say I didn't like or didn't make sense to me. But overall, like the whole thought process behind it, it's more storyline and it's it's also backed up. I think the one thing I will say that this movie lacked it was cool visuals but i'm okay with that i'm so much i'm so much more of the of a storyline guy than cool visuals right because i feel like we've seen better batmobiles in the past i've seen they've seen like right. crazy like supercharged amazing looking batmobiles we've seen crazier fight scenes in the past this was very standard of like you know hand-to-hand combat guns or whatever we we've seen like crazier you know like fight scenes but you know this they i almost think they they, they cracked the code in the terms of uh they're realizing these amazing visuals only take you so far. You need to have a great storyline to go with it. And I'll, I'm readily able to sacrifice, you know, cool visuals for an amazing storyline. And I think that's what this film did. And it's not like the, like the visuals were awful. There was a few scenes in there that I really enjoyed. But you could definitely tell that they didn't try to make anything look overly crazy. Because we've seen many times, I mean, I've you know coined the term a long time ago, the Michael Bay syndrome with the Transformers. Like, crazy things yeah. we've seen on screen that made no sense. Right, so I'm very happy with what they decided to go uh, in this direction. And so, to answer your question directly, do I do I think it's going to be a turning point? Uh, I don't know. You know the, the, the history, their, their their track record doesn't really bode well for them. But they did. <laughs> they they gave a really good effort here with uh, what we got in this movie. So let's just hope they uh, keep the same energy going forward with this Batman hopefully trilogy. Then maybe if they do other movies like a new Superman trilogy, Green Lantern trilogy, like let's just hope they they can you know they stay on track with what they did here and we got a good shot at it, man. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, what about you? What takeaways, uh, last thoughts you had? And I'll let you close this out. Just last thoughts I have is I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here in terms of which villains get brought in, how they're going to be brought in, and the way in which they're going to pose problems for Batman and you know how we're going to get introduced to Robin and stuff. Because like I said, this movie wasn't an origin story. And I love the fact that it wasn't an origin story. We know how Batman came to be. We've seen it trillion times on screen like i know so you know i i but the thing is is i want to know how they're going to kind of introduce robin you know right? if, if that's what their plan is to do and how catwoman is going to kind of come into play as well and then on top of that because and i don't want to ruin anything for anybody but if anyone knows and read the comic books the original robin dies and so like i'm very curious that if we get a great introduction maybe the last movie of the trilogy if we do get a batman trilogy if 
they the you know, the villains kill Robin, and then if that really kind of sets like the stage into going further into like the, you know the Justice League thing that I think would be a cool idea. Um, I don't know, like I'm really curious to see what kind of problems that the villains pose, and if they're going to work together collaboratively, if they're just going to be their own have their own agendas uh, separately, but still cause an issue, and like have, kind of have Batman attacked on multiple fronts without kind of having a a plan to figure out how the hell I'm going to deal with all this. Like, I don't know. I'm very excited to kind of see those things, man. And like an idea of where it's going to go in, in that frame. And if we, if there's anything we saw from this film is they were not afraid to go dark here. And so yeah. they're not afraid to go dark here. If they keep the same type of energy, we might see dead Robin and you know, that could be a catalyst for future events going forward. And I would, I would be here for it, man. I'd be excited for it, but yeah, that's, that's right all I got. Close this out. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say something on that right before you close this out because I think it's important because you said that because it, it very well could be the case because if anyone knows, uh, if you've followed the Batman comics that were written before, um, so there's actually three Robins. There's Dick Grayson uh, that was part of like the flying trapeze thing. You know, his family died. He later goes against Bruce Wayne and becomes Nightwing. Then there's Jason Todd, and then now we have another guy now who's actually really good in the current comic series. But Jason Todd, the reason I bring this up is because in the comic book, Death in the Family, and as you read there, like when I was reading that fan theory about Hush, it says Batman, uh, when it was saying, you know, Batman and Jason Todd fought these villains, Jason Todd is the one in Death in the Family that Joker beats with a crowbar to death. So, and that's the one. And then that's how they got the other Robin later. So, the reason I bring that up is because you very well could be onto something. Hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon, but if there's a Batman to do it, this is the vibe that we're getting already starting off. So, especially with this, how dark this is, if anyone's gonna do it, it's this trilogy right here. So, I'll let you close this out, man. Great stuff. Yeah, man, I will do. I'm just gonna do one quick thing before I close this out. I'm gonna play a tipsy gypsy card on Chase's bitch ass. My Let's go, God, dude. Let's what go. Fuck, you man? thought we were gonna end on some happy shit. notes? We're not we're happy. With that shit, man. We are not we're ending on no happy shit. notes. This movie was a dark movie. Oh it's gonna be a dark podcast. Is you gonna get on your drinking right now? Fill the cup up. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. I guess I'm going to have to get Well, good. The cup's already up there because I didn't drink any of it. But that one swig with your little mouse in the chalice or whatever, when he toasted to the mouse today. So, you know. Cheers, my really, man. Enjoy it. I hope you, you know drink, drink all that and, and think of me as you feel it later on, my man. We haven't had a mouse in the – I'm sorry. We haven't had a tipsy gypsy card played in a few weeks now. It's been getting a little too chummy around here. It's about time you took one to the head. Let's go. Well, you know what I say about that, Jay Nelly, is two can play at that game. I'm playing the tipsy gypsy card on Jay Nelly. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jason Todd to his Bruce Wayne, so – you can go ahead and play that card because two can play at that game, sir. Riddler to Joker, Jason Todd to Bruce Wayne. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. The best friends will ever be. You can finish that speech because I forgot how it goes. So I'm going to start from the top. It goes, here's the you. <laughs> here's the me. The best of friends will always be. If by chance you disagree, then fuck you. Here's the me.
<laughs> cheers, brother. Cheers. cheers. I'll make. Thumbs I'll let you up. go first, so that way you know oh, people have some someone to listen to while <laughs> while we're drinking here. So take it, take the beverage to the glass face, man. Turvis here. Okay, well, let's let's go. All right, enjoy it. This this, this is my gift from me to you. And you know what? I hope I hope we make a TikTok out of this. I, I hope this is one of the things you cut out from this here and just take the whole thing to the face and put it on a TikTok while we overlay some of the crazy things that we uh, talked about in this episode and where we want this to go forward. So. I really do. I, I I want you to think of me as you uh, as you feel that <laughs> seeping into the body. Let's go. And he killed it. Let's go. <sighs> Luckily, I went on a run earlier. I was getting kind of thirsty. <laughs> you sick bastard! You go ahead and take that to the head. Let's All do right, it, man. Jane Nelly. I'm gonna do. I'll give you a count of five, four, three, two. One, see that drink away. See that drink away. See that drink away. See that drink away. Okay, see that. Oh, he killed it. Killed Let's it. Go. I was about to sit. Let's You know, go. I've never been able to even, every time you play that stupid ass card, <laughs> I've never even been able to ever say on you, why are we waiting? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the worst. I'm sure that'll happen. Well, it's never going to happen because I drink it fast and I take it down. But, uh, It'll happen eventually. Oh, yeah, man. Right. I'm, I'm going right, to get nope. old one of these days. I'll get old one of these days. I won't be able to do it like I used to. But that day is not this day. In the words of Aragorn, today is not that day. Today <laughs> is not this day. Okay, right before we go, quick one. Malice in the Chalice card. Baby, you take another little Jeez. swig of that. How about that? It's all you gone. There's a little swig. There's sir. nothing to swig. It's all gone. I drank it all. Well, well, all right, fine. I'll take a little swig for you. How about that? Take a little yeah, swig out the that, bottle. There you go. Mm. What's up? What you, what you got with that card? What you going to play? Okay. I want to know, what do you think was better, this or the Dark Knight? And why? Oh my gosh, man! You put me on the spot with a question like that. <laughs> it's, just, it's very hard, man, because The Dark Knight was a classic Batman film. I mean, if you ask me which Batman, like the individual character, I liked better, I liked Robert Pattinson's Batman better than I like Christian Bale's Batman. Me too. But you're talking about as yeah. an overall like movie. Film. Yeah, it's just, just a film. Ah, yeah. Damn, that's fucking hard, dude. Because. We had one of the best cinematic performances by an actor ever in The Dark Knight when we talk about yeah. Heath, Heath Leather's Joker. And he he just made it so believable. At the same time, this new Batman here brought in a new villain, and it was a fresh take, and it was creative, and it was dark. Like, man, it's, such a, it's a hard thing. But I will say that the other Bat, the, the, the Dark Knight brought in like the love interest as well where this one didn't really bring in the love interest on that and i mean it's like i mean selena kyle was there but she just like kind of gave him a kiss a couple times and drove off like <laughs> in, the, in the dark night it was completely different like he had to go save where it was too late like it was just man like I, that's such a hard question for me i mean they're both there man they're, they're like one and two but I guess just out of respect for the fallen, I'm gonna say Dark Knight by like point zero 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 one. I'll give it the edge, but like it, they're right there, man. It's very hard for me to, to pick between the two. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm still picking TDK, <laughs> the Dark Knight. Sorry, 
Sorry, not sorry, sir. <laughs> I forgot what it was. There was uh, another episode we did where we were talking about something. I was like, I mean, it was no Dark Knight, but oh, that's what it was. We did uh, Spider Man No Way Home, and I was like, it was fucking great, but I mean, it was no Dark Knight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I mean, here's what I would have loved to see. I would love to see Robert Pattinson go up against Heath Ledger's Joker. Like, that would have been the top for me. Too bad it'll never happen. Uh, respect for the Fallen. I love the style of this new, the Batman movie, more. Um, however, you know, just the way they made Joker as, like, a anarchist and maniacal genius at the same time was phenomenal. Um... I gotta put the Dark Knight over it, like barely, but it really makes me wonder the second one, say they make a second one, which they probably will, of the Batman, like how that Joker is going to compare. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, for me, it's the Dark Knight. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But that was a badass breakdown. It's a badass film. Uh, definitely recommend it to everyone. It's it's it definitely will take you out of your element. <laughs> That's for sure. So yeah, and I'll let you close this out, man. Great stuff. Sounds like a plan, brother. I mean, you know, if this is your first time watching us, welcome. We're excited to have you. We hope you stick around. If you've been watching us since the beginning, you guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy, and we're excited to have you back every single week, every single Sunday when we do this. So uh, thank you guys for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and click like, subscribe, follow us along on social media. We're on Instagram, at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus. Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. Uh, we also have our own website, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. You can follow us along any of those places. Uh, on top of that, please go ahead and leave us reviews on, on any of those sites as well. On top of that... If you're looking to figure out where you can follow the show, if you have an iPhone, you can follow us along on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love those. Uh, on top of that, you can follow us on iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can follow us on Google Play. You can follow us on Spotify. They now allow you to use uh, star reviews as well. We'd love to get some of those in there for me as well. Uh, on top of that, you, know, we, you can find us on Podbean, our host site. Find us on... Uh, audible find us on amazon music find us on iHeartRadio. find us on youtube uh we are everywhere that you can possibly find the podcast jason josh factor fantasy we're there to say that outside of that we're out for the day guys because you know this has been another ridiculous production chase and josh factor fantasy signing, signing off, off.